Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Folks, on a very special pre-debate episode of The New Abnormal, Molly and I are joined by Mike Madrid, political director and co-founder of The Lincoln Project, and by Philippe Reines, all-time returning guest champion of The New Abnormal. Just two more visits to The New Abnormal, and he gets his official bedazzled members-only jacket with a giant five on the back. I think the swag list may have to include this, Molly. So anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining us. We know that the debate is going to be the big focus this week, unless Donald Trump, you know, shits the bed in some other uh, ridiculous way. We know the debate's going to be a big focus. We want to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about what's going on in the campaign, and give you guys a special weekend episode. With that, Mike, welcome. Philippe, welcome. Molly, I hope you're having a fine Friday afternoon while we are recording this. I'm going to jump right into it. We'll start with you, Philippe. What are the stakes for Joe Biden, and how do you think this thing is going to turn out uh, when they enter the ring together on Tuesday? Well, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. I think in simplest terms, you got to start from the place that there are some people who ask the question, do debates matter? Or they straight out say that debates don't matter. And I, I can't imagine that anyone on this podcast right now agrees with that. If you were to screw up a debate, I think you'd find out pretty quickly how much they matter. First off, it's just a very strange, you don't even realize what you're seeing. Joe Biden and Donald Trump have not been together possibly as long as since Inauguration Day 2017. Maybe Barbara Bush's or H.W.'s funerals, I'm not sure. In uh, 2016, we couldn't even remember the last time Hillary was with Trump. She thought it might have been as late as as his wedding in 2006. So as much as we talk about these two all the time, and we see them on TV all the time, they've actually never been together. And there's something about that moment when it comes on that you're, you're finally seeing these two people side by side that we have been trying to process side by side. And um, of course, that is going to have a huge effect. And there's no point in the campaign where either of them will be talking to anywhere near as large of an audience. They're probably talking to two, maybe three times as many people as they did their convention speeches. Well, I I, I heard it was going to be about the the estimates around 70 million. Wow. That is, I mean, it's not Super Bowl, but that's Super Bowl-ish. It's an opportunity more than anything. I mean, look, if I did it, and I did kind of, you go out there and you just, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to screw up. I don't screw up. But it's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity to do what you do every day. I mean, if you're doing this right, what, what Joe Biden says on Tuesday night in Cleveland isn't any different than what he will say on Thursday in Miami or last Monday in New York or a month from now in Miami, because you have a message and you're saying it. This is just a bigger audience. And you've got this numb nut 10 feet away who uh, is trying to you know, but the way I think of it is imagine Yo-Yo Ma trying to perform with a guy on stage with an air horn. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty difficult. And, you know, everyone's going to end up leaving pretty unhappy, including the audience. Let's put it this way. If if the, the presidential debate commission were to announce that they were canceling all the presidential debates, I I think that the, the Biden can be like, oh, OK, would have been nice. But so what? The Trump campaign would have been shit. We need yes. these debates because 
from their perspective, it's strange. They somehow think that Donald Trump, more people seeing more of Donald Trump is helpful, even though that hasn't really been the case. But they also have this weird and very passive strategy that Joe Biden is just going to hand the election to them by having some kind of catastrophic moment where he might quite literally keel over. And they've they've pinned their entire hopes on this idea that the more that Joe Biden is out there and then the more people are watching him, that he's just going to have some kind of off the chart, self-imploding moment that it is more likely to happen to Donald Trump than it is to Joe Biden. Right. I think you're right. Uh, and Mike, we were talking about that this morning. It's uh, part of this that's going to be a, a problem for Trump is they've spent so long trying to turn Biden into the image of a, of, of a babbling idiot, right? Look, there's no question about that part. And I think Philippe is exactly right. The expectations game is just so out of whack, not just because they've set the bar at so many different levels, but they've set it in so many different arenas. They've tried to convince people that at first he's you know borderline senile, he's probably going to drool on himself in the middle of this thing, while at the same time trying to convince themselves he's some sort of Che Guevara mastermind of the left who's going to bring <laughs> about international socialism at the same time. Can we also talk about one other thing about Trump, which he seems even less, if this is possible, less sharp than he was four years ago? No, you're you're 100 percent right, and I you know I was going to say I can't say Donald Trump is different because if you do, then you get bombarded with well, if you think Donald Trump is different, then you haven't been paying attention. You know what? I'm paying attention. I'm paying too close attention, paying attention longer than you fucking happens. But that said, Donald Trump is not different, but the circumstances are different. And while I think everyone on this call probably subscribes to the idea that he's got something, you know, psychological going on, decompensating, I agree with you, Molly. And I, and it's, I think because of this, and let me try to state it quickly and clearly, he, he, he can't control what he says, but in 2016, what he would regurgitate was really simple. I mean, he had his four pillars, immigration, Obamacare, trade, and the swamp. He had a very honed attack on Hillary, crooked Hillary. He never spent any time himself defending, even access Hollywood, locker room talk, he would dispense so that he'd move on. So his debate performance, his debate answers were very simple. It was always one, I'm great, two, you're terrible, three, I'm going to mumble some kind of digression that is probably not involved in anything whatsoever. Fast forward four years, same guy, he's no smarter, he's probably dumber, he's definitely less healthy, but he does not have his four pillars. It is unclear what it is that he, his home base messages. Two, he does not have a coherent attack on Joe Biden. He continues to throw spaghetti at the wall and nothing is really sticking. Three, all he does is defend himself. He is a human grievance machine. So whereas three years, four years ago, he'd have his kind of answer. Now his answer is, well, if you asked him about China in 2016, he would say, oh, the Chinese, I love the China. China's great. I do. I have hundreds of deals in China. China, they know me. The biggest bank in China, they're in my building. My building is great, beautiful building. But Chinese they don't respect her. They don't respect her. So you have the, I'm great, you're you're terrible, and uh, some nonsense about a bank being in my building. Mr. Trump, it's 2020. What do you think of China? Well, look, I went down that ramp and it was slippery. And I, the last 10 feet, I ran. And my, look at the transcript with the Ukraine, beautiful, perfect transcript to the Ukrainian, just such a perfect transcript. He's got his, just his grievance list and he can't control himself. So what you, and I think it's a very long way of Molly of saying his language has really gone from being never particularly Shakespearean, but it's gone from a series of digressions to really one long non sequitur. And it is 
very hard to process what he's saying because he doesn't use proper nouns, interrupting himself. And it sounds silly, but while we're all watching him, whether it's during the day at a press conference or at the debate, and we start looking at each other and say, what did he just say? Poor Joe Biden is standing on stage 10 feet away, and he's got to not only understand it, but respond to it. And I, I think the language is a, is a really big deal because he's got so many thoughts in his head that are all trying to rush for the exit and they're bumping into each other. But I notice more than that, even just he has word retrieval issues that I did not see in 2016. Like yo Semites, remember yo Semites? And <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> we, he's had a lot of problems with the language in a way that again, remember he tweeted twice that he had not had any small strokes. But I'm just saying there does seem like the whole idea was that they would attack Biden for, you know, because they uh, because of a cognitive deficit, which feels very much like a projection. (laughs) Well, let's be clear. If one of those two guys is likely to keel over on Tuesday night on the stage, it's not Joe Biden. (laughs) If Donald Trump goes there, I would if I were Joe Biden say, look, you know, only one of us is sneaking off to the hospital in the middle of the afternoon. So, you know, if you really want to go there, let's go. I've, I've thought from the beginning that, that if Donald Trump said something to the effect about Joe Biden's health, Joe should just look at him and go, let's start doing push-ups, bitch. Here we go. Because I guarantee you, Donald has one in him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Donald, drop and give me one. <laughs> A question for Mike Madrid and Rick Wilson here. Do you think Trump has done any debate prep? <laughs> I concur. I second that motion from Rick Wilson. No, clearly he hasn't. I'm sure they'll probably try it and schedule it, run a few things by him. He won't pay attention and he'll move on. But look, here's what I think Trump's biggest weakness is going into the debates. The fact that you're not going to have an audience is really what is going to destabilize him. And Trump doesn't need a big one. He just needs a handful of people that will get some sort of, you know, group cackling or some sort of group, group response. But without that, is that is where Trump is at his worst. You'll recall in the past month or two when he's did these one-on-one interviews with journalists, he has literally no gauge when he's not getting some sort of feedback from others as to when he's going off the rails and whether what he's saying is smart or stupid or incoherent or, or whatever it is. He literally needs the feedback and the larger the crowd, the more comfortable he is and his you know, P.T. Barnum persona. He needs that stagecraft. And without that, I think he's going to be wandering around like, you know, like a, a goat out in the wilderness, just look, you know, looking like prey with vultures circling around him because he's going to have literally no gauge on which way he's going and where he's heading. I mean, I think that's true. And you see that with remember that interview he did with Laura Ingram, where he was like comparing. Right. He was talking about. Choking. <laughs> remember that where he was yeah. where yeah. he was talking about what it's like to shoot someone and how it was like golf. And she kept saying, no, no, you right. don't want to say right. that. And he still didn't get it and he kept saying it or the cognitive test he just keeps going he doesn't realize what he's saying is just asinine because there's literally no feedback and he his personality requires that external reaction in order to give him a guidepost as to where he's heading and barring that he's just listless he's fucked with chris wallace 
Well, exactly. Oh, right. oh exactly. yes. No, I mean, imagine <laughs> yeah. the conversation we'd be having if Steve Scully, who I love and respect, but God bless him. The reason I love and respect him is because he'd be and will be probably a terrible debate moderator because he's not used to Trump. He's not used to really anything that's not human. It would be very different. You know, Chris Wallace isn't going to fact check every 30 seconds, but he's not going to let the doozies go by. And more importantly, to, you know, Molly's point, to Mike's point, his usual Trump's usual safe word, you know, that he can say on Fox you'd say fake and you know everyone stops with the bdsm or whatever it is that they're <laughs> that they're doing uh the safe word won't work in front of chris wallace right that's true it's interesting there was one topic on the list which i thought was like a fox topic which was like violence in radical city you know urban violence or something which is like preposterous or crime in cities and that one is like the only one that he's probably prepared for at all and he's going to go on about you know how dangerous new york city is which is kind of insane i think that those stakes are even higher than than donald trump's people realize because as mike will tell you this is the first time in this election, we started to see the top come off of some of his most important and central demographic support groups. This week, there's been a big shift, and Mike can give you more about it, but it is there is a big moment happening right now in this campaign. Mike, tell us. I need to know what this moment is. Well, so for the first time, what the last three rounds of polling have showed, really in the last few days, culminating with the Fox News poll, is that there's an eating away, there's a deterioration in Fox, uh, I'm sorry, in Donald Trump's base of support with non-college educated white males. Whoa. Well, there you go, right? There's like this tectonic shift happening. Yeah. And it's not just one poll. It's not just an outlier. It's happened in the last three public polls. And it's happening in why Ohio has come into play, which was really, I mean, candidly, frankly, it was a state that we had all kind of written off and just said, Ohio is going to be what it's going to be. It's Trumpy. There's a lot of ways to 270 for Biden around it. Let's find a number of different footpaths to get there. But Pennsylvania, again, is widening. You're starting to see, you know, the floor in Wisconsin not only settle, but his upward trajectory, Biden I'm talking about, move upwards. And then there's outlier states like Nevada and New Hampshire, which are getting better for Biden. Um, These are all states that have one thing in common. They've got large numbers of non-college educated whites and the movement is happening with males. So this is the, this is the base that we never thought would ever, ever, ever move, right? These yeah. are the guys on Fifth Avenue that'll never leave them and bury the body when he shoots it. But we are seeing some movement there. It's happening. Well, hold on, Mike. How do we know that they, in the last four years, didn't get a college education or maybe a GED? <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. The polls are wrong. The polls are wrong. <laughs> Mike, Why? Well, that's the question, right? It's, I don't think it's because of the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay? No, I don't think it's the Supreme Court that's turning them. <laughs> right. I, I think, look, what we are seeing is two things. And one is it's the COVID numbers are starting to pop in the yeah. Midwest and in the Rust Belt, and they have never hit that part of the state, I'm sorry, of the country before. Yeah. So that is a new dynamic, and local news is starting to be swamped with that. The only other possible explanation is a cascading effect, and I'm not saying I subscribe to this, of all these things that have started to kind of unravel. Everything from the Atlantic Monthly story on his comments towards veterans, to the Woodward book, to just this rallies he's having in um, you know these large settings while, while COVID's starting to, to pop up. Right, and he's getting his supporters sick. My, yep. I mean, there's got to be some of that. Like, I went to a Trump rally and got sick. I mean, it's so contagious. That's what the t-shirts are saying that they sell. All I got is this... To a Trump rally, all I got was sick in this crazy T-shirt. But 
But yeah, look, this is one area. Look, he's moved a lot. COVID was the one thing that has broken the Trump fever with basically every part of the Republican coalition at one time or another when it hits the state. Okay, we saw it with seniors. We saw it with faith-based voters. Evangelical voters were moving. But when we isolated it just for the non-college educated, you know, male vote, it has never moved until now. Now, it could be anomalous. It could be something peculiar at that part of the country at this moment in time. Maybe it moves back, but we have not seen this move in four years. And we are seeing noticeable, discernible movement across the last three public polls that have happened. So we know that it is something that is occurring for whatever reason. Do you think some of it is because of the enhanced unemployment expiring at the end of July Uh, and then never being That's a good theory, Molly. I had not thought of that. That's a very good theory. Well, I just wondered, like, when, when it does expi- this air? Because I'm going to steal that on Twitter. <laughs> like, <in the> next- <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like when it expired at the end of July, I th- for sure people would he'd start hemorrhaging votes because these people had gone from being able to keep their houses to not. And uh, so this would be enough time to sort of make sense. Well, Mike and his team watch the COVID numbers and all the other economic underpinnings very, very closely. And and you see, there's. Oh, I'll let Mike describe it. There's a pattern of the spike and the drop in support. We call it buying into the spike, which is which is a little bit macabre. I, I understand that, but we, we would be derelict in our duties if we weren't. You've you know, come to the right place. Trends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome. Uh, the, new, the new macabre. Macabre <laughs> is really. We're pretty into macabre over here. So. Okay, well, fair enough. Good place to be. So what happens is we literally, when we see counties and we track them all over the country, when a, when a spike starts to occur, an increase starts to occur. We know that within a 14-day period, we're going to start seeing numbers um, get uh, get to a point where they're dangerous and above the national average. And then we know shortly thereafter that hospitals are going to start getting right. overcrowded. And so we literally start targeting political messaging into those zip codes and into those counties as the spike goes up. We then know because of the life cycle of the virus that unfortunately there's going to be a large number of deaths that will occur for about a week period. And then after that week, there's that commensurate fall off and then the economic consequences that, uh, that uh, um, occur as a result of, of these counties shutting down completely. So what we do is we literally buy and message into each specific phase of the virus's life cycle. And it's one of the reasons why when you saw this thing tear through Arizona and Texas and Florida, the Sunbelt states through the summer, that you saw the floor levels of Donald Trump's support base fall. It's not, I'm not saying it's the only reason, right. but there's no question that it was a part of it. And so what we do now is we track, as Rick said, all the virus cases that are happening county by county. And we can tell literally with a very high degree of accuracy what's going to happen to Donald Trump's polling numbers when a county reaches a certain infection rate. Wow. I have another question about the uh, financial stuff with Trump. You know, they're doing this $200 card to seniors. Yeah. Right. And he couldn't get the pharma companies to agree on it. So he just did it with taxpayer money. I guess he's clearly. Do you think that will move the needle at all for him? Not in the face of a coronavirus outbreak. Right. What you're basically asking is a senior to take a $200 gift card, right, for your medication or your life. Like, yeah. It's not a hard decision to make. Yeah. And again, th- these numbers, there's no Republican president has ever won the White House without winning in the high single digits, at least, or at worst, I should say, uh, with seniors, with 65 plus voters. He's, yeah. at a neg- he's at a negative two position right mm-hmm. now with Biden. Okay, so he's losing the senior citizen vote. That is never, I don't even know, if I'm not even sure a Republican candidate for president has lost the White House and mm-hmm. lost the senior citizen vote. But that's where it's at. That's just where it's sitting. So what does Biden need to do 
on Tuesday night? Well, from my impression, I think he needs to come out very assertively and very aggressively. And again, keep the ball in Donald Trump's court. We do know one thing about it. We, the Lincoln Project, he, the guy takes the bait. Right. So bait, bait the guy. Don't try to be the old, you know, the elder statesman here. No. Don't try to take the high road. Be Joe from Scranton, right? Give, give him what they want. Give it to him what he wants and get into that fight and that, that back and forth with him. It's not going to bring uh, Biden's support levels down. There's nobody in the United States that isn't convinced that Joe Biden isn't a better uh, master of public policy than Donald Trump is. Right. That's not why people are voting or making their own determinations. The more the focus is on Donald Trump and the more they allow Donald Trump to be Trump, the better off Joe Biden is. So I think you can recast the frame by coming at him very aggressively, very assertively. And I think that combined with the fact that there's no external stimuli guiding a listless Donald Trump, he's got a pretty good roadmap to making Donald Trump look pretty bad because he does a good job of that by himself. One strategy that Joe Biden should consider is coming out saying, I want to thank Ohio for hosting us. And Chris, thank you for moderating. With that, I yield my 45 minutes to Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's right. I mean, the one specific thing, you know, we all laugh about Trump's everybody knows people are saying, I didn't know until recently, it's called paralipsis, yes. which I now, now that I've learned it, I can't stop repeating it. Um, mm. It's it's not ineffective. And I think if there was one tangible suggestion I would give to Joe Biden would be, you know, the first time you speak, whether is it are there opening statements on Tuesday? Or, I believe there are. Or they're just going right to questions. I believe there are. <clears throat> so I would, you know, I, I would say, uh, hi, I'm Joe Biden. I think we want to build back better. Vote for me. But you know what? Before we start, I got to say, I got to, I hate to do it, but I got to spoil the evening. I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen because Donald Trump, we see him every day. And when he lies, it means that it's the truth. And when he says fake, it means it's real. When right. he accuses someone of something, it means he's guilty of it. And I can't say that every time he opens his mouth and Chris Wallace can't say it every time, but we all know it. A hundred million people, everybody knows it. So Mr. President, you know, you can do what you do every day. You can waste that time or we can have a conversation. But everyone's on to you. We all see through you. And I think it's something he just needs to jump out and say ahead of time because there's no other way to fact check. I mean, you, you could say you've got to just not be subtle about it. You just need to say, ladies and gentlemen, everything this guy says is going to be some degree of bullshit or contrived or wrong or mean spirited. And don't ever forget that because you already know. So speaking it. of which, folks, it's Friday night while we're recording this. And I just want to say, this is a quote from Donald Trump at his rally in Virginia. <clears throat> Trump on his standing with Latinos. We are polling at numbers that I guess no Republican has ever polled before, perhaps Abraham Lincoln. But in those days, he wasn't big into his, the Hispanic movement, I think. Abraham had other things to think about, don't we think? He also recounted how he spoke to a black audience in Georgia and says he likes to explain he likes to ask whether they want black or African-American better. They usually say black. He asks again in Virginia and a few people shout black. It's black. He says, satisfied. <laughs> and, then, and, you know, it's funny is that we listen to that and then we spend a few minutes saying, well, why is it that people are souring on Donald Trump? I mean, it's possible. The question isn't why. It's why is it taking so long? I mean, there's no reason to, not, to stick Could with it this be guy. Because he's I mean, the people who crazy. finally cling to him. Yeah. 
He's but, crazy. You know, People are dying. Tens of millions are out of work. He's embarrassing. I mean, there's nothing better than four years ago. He's not even entertaining. I mean, but he also has no plan. I mean, he had, you know, there's no plan to get these people enhanced unemployment to get them back to work. Do you realize if he and Jared, the wonder boy with his microdata, if all they had done is found someone to produce masks, if we each had 10 masks, I honestly believe this would be a neck and neck race. And, and it's illogical that. to have taken this position. It's not like but I don't think Fauci was saying I, if you give up your guns, you'll you'll beat COVID. It was. But, but part of what's happened is that part of it is that he's dropped the ball. But part of it is that he ran. He had he was running against something. And now he he's no longer an outsider. He has nothing to run against. Well, it's worse he than that. Is, well, it's not happened it, in 2016 talking about his language. He was angry and he spoke differently and he acted differently. And that was consistent with his with his overall message. People now, yeah, so I'm angry as fuck. I want him gone and people are angry. But people more than anything are scared and unnerved. And that's not the guy that's making them feel any more settled, you know, there really is no one who makes things harder for himself. I mean, he even could have said, look, I don't want to wear a mask. My face is too beautiful. I'm not going to cover it up. Uh, you know, doctors don't like me, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm healthy and people around me get tested. But you know what? If you want to wear a mask, just wear a mask. If you don't want to, don't wear it. I can't make you. But what's no harm? Wear a mask, take it off to drink the Drano and then put the mask back on. What's the worst that happens? You know, you can inject. <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> is is that getting beeped? I feel like that's getting beeped. I, I think the question, though, is he has all this rage and you wanted to blow things up. He blew things up. They're blown up. I think there's a certain element of Trump fatigue syndrome that has set in and the novelty has worn off. And the problem with that is when you're a one trick pony and you keep selling the same stuff and people aren't buying it, you, you can't adjust. And so a lot of these, Philippe is right, these four messages that he was talking about in 2016 we're getting kind of a, a sad, stale version of like one of those, right? It's like, it's, it, it just doesn't work anymore. The environment has totally changed and the anger isn't at Washington, it's at him. Right. I think one of, the, one of the most telling moments was, uh, you know, when, when he and Melania showed up to pay their respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, That right? was a great. So he shows up, uh, her body is lying, um, you know, RBG. Yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'm sorry, and repose outside of the Supreme Court before they uh, move the caskets to lay in state in the Capitol building. And uh, he, he shows up and outside there are, there's the public, you know, at the base of the steps. And this just colossal chorus of boo birds shows up and, and, and then spontaneously begins chanting, vote him out. <laughs> While he's standing there, there's literally, it was like Ruth Bader Ginsburg's revenge, right? She's standing there just literally it's her bringing this guy down. Yeah, it was pretty great. The only thing that I, you know, regret about the whole thing was it was the only time he's worn his mask when we desperately needed to see his face at that moment. <laughs> On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast and he's the Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again on the next episode. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience. And it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries. And it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash the new abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.